0: Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny
1: Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Mark,
0: this Q&A has got some random, varied questions for you. We'll just sort of go into them and um, see what your answers are. The first one is from Natalia. She's got an off-the-track thoroughbred that's come a long way over the challenge series. Thank you but he still has pretty severe separation anxiety when going in the float and if other horses leave while he's working. Is this something that will get better with over time or will he always be nervous alone?
1: It's harder for some horses than than others because those horses are not a horse. They're they're a story. They're a history. Um, So, you know, horses have a history of, could have a history of, of, you know, bad weaning, anxiety when he was a foal, all this sort of stuff that leads up to a horse. But yeah, uh, it may get better. I always say there's hope because every horse I meet, there's always something or a lot of things that, that can be improved in its education that will help it. Um, but one thing, I, the, the most important thing I'll say is anxiety leads to separation anxiety. So uh, to put it in a human context, which I suppose you're not supposed to, but I, I do because it's I see it with horses all the time is If you're having a bad day at work with colleagues that you don't really get along with and you just really got too many conflicts that are on your plate and all this sort of stuff, you will be sitting there going, I want to leave this place. I don't want to be here. And you'll be thinking about your last place of safety or your comfortable place. So people get separation anxiety when they're anxious. Some people just want to go to their couch. Some people just want to go somewhere else anyway. So basically, it will go to be with their friends um, or their partners. So horses that carry anxiety have worse separation anxiety. So the clearer, the better you can present education to your horse, the softer they are, the more they trust the reins, you, the pressure, anything that you provide that helps them in their learning environment, the less anxiety they carry when they're with you. And then they've got more room to process all the external anxieties that are happening. So that's super important. So there's probably so many things that an off-the-track horse doesn't understand pressure-wise that creates extra anxiety, which will create extra separation anxiety. If I was going to put you in a coffin like a horse float and you were frightened in there, you were going to scream for your friends, okay? That's just a, a thing. So he suffers a lot of separation anxiety when he's presented with all these extra anxious things, and you're not going to be there in the float with him because you're going to be driving the car so you have to get him, one, to understand all the pressures that you provide, or you have to look at all the things that you can ask him and guide him with that help him feel better. Two, you have to do a lot of work with him, understanding that float is better, so it needs a lot of float training. And three, then you've got to start to work him slowly, wean him out of his comfort zone. So, you know, you work him around where he's comfortable in the sense, not working, so he's uncomfortable there, but you get him to start to not need his mates as much or his safe places. So basically, you can work. You can you can educate him his safe place till he's happy with you and the feel that you're providing. And you slowly take him away from his safe place, then bring him back until basically he's not got the anxiety with you and the things that you're providing that he doesn't need a safe place as much because he's safe with you. I don't know the answer to your question in the sense that will it ever get out of him, um, but if you I've seen a lot of horses. People have made some really amazing progress that have suffered from separation anxiety and got a lot better. So I always say, you know, be hopeful first and well and, be be um faithful have faith that you can help him. But just be careful that you don't want too much from him. You know, some people might want a an eventing horse and I'm like, well, that horse's whole past life and where they are now, even if you're a guru with everything you're doing, it's going to be a hard task to make him an eventing horse because it's still too much conflict that they can cope with and you're going to have to be you know, the, the best Yoda in the universe to, to, to get that horse through that situation. So some horses are going to be more suited to that. I'm not saying that it's not going to happen. I'm just saying if if the horse is really, really, anyway, well, I won't go into it. it's a whole subject, but, yeah, you just got to be be careful what you, what you want out of that horse. But I believe a horse can start to travel in the float and start to ride away from its friends and other environments fairly well if you're if you,
0: do things right. Super, next question is from Ashley. We'll stay with the float topic or trailer if you're from another country. Um, She has a 13 year old thoroughbred mare. She got her last year, so um, for 12 years, she knows that she's always been turned and walked out of an angle load. Um, She knew her previous home. So she's done a lot of work with her uh, backing up and on the ground, she's really good at it, but she gets anxious with the float only with unloading loading is absolutely fine she's rocked her back and forth at all stages and she still wants to turn around it's getting frustrating so um trying to keep her cool <laughs> and she will sometimes raise her head and has her head on the float but she's is still walking back on so it's a matter of time possibly to break the habits or is there something <laughs> that she could be doing to stop her from trying to turn around
1: yes um so maybe change the rhythm of of the floating so yes you you, um you you say that you've put her on and off but i i would um i would put her on the ramp and i'd say quickly back off now and i'd put her up on the ramp like just one or two feet on and then back off now don't let her push any way into that horse float don't let her even want to go in as in a lot of horses have been mechanically taught to go in and then they come off. And I know you might have been slowly working on backwards and forwards, but I would I would say any time she pushes to take a step forward, I'd say no step back and try again until she softly follows the feel in every step of the way that there's no I've got to go in. If she's going, I've got to go in and she pushes and you can't change that thought very easily as she pushes weight into your hand, then I would say step back don't push through my hand to go in and feel for all the braces as she pushes to go up in there and say, don't brace, back off. And I would also speed it up That I, at, the, at the ramp first that I can say forward step, backward step, forward step fast, backward step fast, back away, back up to the float. And I'm going to bang a flag around the float, make it a little bit more scary. And can you go forwards and backwards softly whilst there's a bit of conflict around you and follow the feel of the rain? So you have to stimulate a bit more of... Oh, I'm not sure what's happening, but I better follow the rain. And then when she starts to follow the rain softly, or the, the rope softly, the lead rope in her hand, in your hand, then, then, then she's a little bit better. So then if, you, if she can continue to follow that lead rope softly and you create a bit more worry around the float, then you know she's able to think into that feel and not buy into the conflict, and the feel overrides her worry about the conflict. So then you go back to soft loading and then you create a little bit of conflict. Can she think through that before she even gets all the way in? And and then you do that over and over until she gets all the, way, all the way in. And then before she's even thought about being all the way in, you're just yo-yoing her all the way back out again until she can yo-yo in backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards at any speed, slow or faster. And then you get to a point that doesn't matter what happens. She'll know what to follow when you pick up on the field. It just takes a bit more time and it takes uh, because you don't want to go in nice and quietly, nice and quietly, and then all of a sudden she goes on a a journey and then she's under conflict and then after that conflict she's got to run out. So you've got to create a bit of conflict on the way in so she understands that she can cope under pressure or round pressure that's not directed at her and still find softness.
0: Next question is from Viv. How does she get her horse used to a fly spray bottle?
1: Okay. Um, so basically, uh, first of all, get your horse to lead. Trust the lead rope really well. Follow, feel, follow the feel of the lead rope so you can control the horse. Doesn't feel trapped in a lead, all those sorts of things. Uh, secondly, get a spray bottle full of water so you don't want to waste too much spray. Obviously, they have got to get used to the smell, but you, there's a two other things that they've got to get used to first, the, the noise of it and the feel of it. So those two things you can fix with a with, a, with just a spray bottle full of water. Um, so basically, when she can go forwards and backwards on on, the, on to the feel on both hands, nice and softly, then you can uh, as as the noise of it, you can you can make this noise yourself, go like that, and just get her to go lead forward, following the feel as you walk backwards, going, ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. and if that makes a bit of nervousness in her, that make a fairly loud, so she's like, oh, what's that? What's that? And then get her to soften while you're making that noise, and that means you won't have to wear your wrist or your fingers out doing that for a bit. And then once she can come forward to that noise, that noise can override the noise of the fly spray bottle as well. So what you can do, um once she can, you know, she can, or he or she can follow that uh while you're going like that, and it means nothing then the horse is following the field, the noise doesn't mean anything, good. Okay, then the next thing, you start to squirt the bottle. Every time you squirt it, you're making that noise because the horse is already used to that noise. So as you squirt, instead of hearing the squirting noise, it's going, it's hearing out of your mouth. And then basically just keep the horse walking towards the field and just do a little squirt on its foot as its foot's coming forward. And back it off a little bit come forward squirt its foot and just walk backwards so the horse is coming forward to the field and it just touches a bit of that water the water just touches it on the foot obviously the noise it's not noticing because you're making that noise every time you squirt and then eventually you just kind of let that horse follow the feel a little bit until you can squirt a bit more up its leg and then if you can get go backwards and forwards and start to keep that squirt on on its knee and up its leg a bit then then it'll start to get used to the feel of the water on its on its own or the, the moisture hitting its leg. Um, the third thing is smell, but usually that noise and that feeling of water is going to be the first two things. And then basically just keep the horse following it and getting closer into it. So you can keep the spray. Don't just go spraying at it everywhere. Just kind of let the horse come into the spray and make it feel like it's leading incrementally into the change of where the spray is hitting it so as it goes up its chest until he can get its neck and then then basically down its sides and and basically also as it's squ- as you're squirting if it gets a little nervous and it does that step forward it's okay and it's tight then back it out and stop squirting so show it you can take the horse away from the spray not it just run away from the spray that you'll take it away from the spray then back into the spray and you've seen me with sticks and that and, and flags keep the flag fairly neutral as the horse comes in, so it can touch the flag and then back away from it, and that's the same... the same thing with the spray, is you're getting the horse to come into the spray then back away from the spray, so you can keep the spray still in one spot and just get the horse to back into that spot... Uh, walk into that spot and then back out of that spot, walk into that spot, and when it can walk in and out of that spot, then you can move that spot of the spray and do it again until eventually, it doesn't matter, you can move the spray around or move the horse around, it's fine, to understand it on, in both, you know, contexts. And then by that time, you could probably take away the noise and the horse will probably be fine with that. And then the third thing it's got it used to is the smell. But I think if you've done those two things, the the smell shouldn't be a problem, as long as you don't put it too much on its face for its first so many uh, lessons. You know, just rub it on its face a little bit um, with with, with a sponge for a little bit, Uh, or you can just get a sponge, put the the fly spray around its nose Lead around so it gets the used use to the smell of the fly spray. And it's almost like, you know, what some people used to do, you know, when they take their horse to a show, they say the stallion wouldn't, wouldn't smell mares in season, they put a little Vicks around its nose, so that overrides that smell of the mares in season, that would stop them noticing all the smells. Uh, I'm not saying everyone go and do that, but I'm just saying that's what people do. But if you had a little bit of fly spray already, just around the muzzle area, then that smells in the horse's nose already. So then when you bring the fly spray in, you can sort of teach your horse to, it's already got the smell on its nose, so so it'll get used to that smell.
0: Next question is from Nicole. She has got some older horses um, that are not in such good health and is likely that they're not going to make it through the winter. You know, they've got arthritis, they've got some loss of sight and other health problems. So the one remaining horse, an 11 year old Gilding, who is in great health, is gonna be left alone. Have you got any ideas for making his loss any easier? He did um, have a sudden paddock mate loss last year, which he took really hard. These three horses have been together for over three years. I
1: was sort of thinking about this one, and if you take, if the other two horses go away and he's left there on his loan, it's going to be quite hard for him. That will be quite a, a big, big deal. Um, if you're going to get my, my answer would be if you want the process to be less noticeable for him, um, my inclination would be to take him away from that property. If you've got someone that's got another paddock somewhere, If you're going to get a companion for him, which I think is probably a good idea. I wouldn't just have two companions and then let the other two disappear and then he's on his own. So if you're going to get a companion for him, get the companion before the others have to be put down or whatever. Um, Chuck him and the companion on a float. Take them to another paddock for a week or so. Do what you need to do at home. What happens is a horse in a new environment, a new st- stimulant. It will stress them a little bit, but, but because two horses get taken away and they're off their dunghill, there's no herd dynamics. There's no, I, I, I don't like you. I'm with these guys, you're not right for our herd. They don't go through that as much because they've gone through a little bit of conflict together through the float journey going to a new paddock and they, they, they might bond in that new paddock and become quite connected. So then they become a bit more dependent and relied on each other from that. And as that's happening, the other two get put down and then you bring the you bring the horse the horses back and know that's an old environment. They've made a good connection through what they've been through together. And hopefully that connection and that that, that, that overrides the, 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 the oh crikey, where'd the other one go? Where's it gone? Where's it gone? Okay, so it's it's less in their face that oh, that they're, they're just not here anymore. Okay. And uh, even if you made it a fortnight or something, because while they're at a new place, it'll be a different story. Like I've seen horses turn up at clinics and they've bonded very quickly with other horses because of that new environment. And uh, though it's a bit stressful for them, the long-term thing is that little bit of stress and conflict together make them connect a lot better and then come back home.
0: you got something in common. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, Nick, and good luck with that. It's a terrible situation to go through. Next question is from Megan. It's the last one for today. Can you please explain to her when you're riding and you ask for the shoulders to move over, you don't open the outside rein, but you just use the inside rein on the neck without crossing the wither?
1: Yes. Now, sometimes it may cross the wither a little bit, but it's it's, it's sort of pushing uh, in the middle of the neck towards the outside ear. So the other day, I was riding fern and I was doing the same thing and because she has, I was in a halter on her and I was, she's a little stiff in the neck because she wasn't a super bendy horse. Um, I was getting a bend and then I was helping her a little bit with the outside rein. Um, The idea is not to use the outside rein and I must admit, I I could say I was cheating a little bit, but I knew I was cheating, which means I'm not going to always use the outside rein. So in some instances, I will help a horse a little with that outside rein just to take that initial step, um, especially so firm was stiff. So it sounds like I'm contradicting myself here, but I just felt the need because of the halter to help her move the shoulders a little bit. Because obviously a halter underneath here, it's it's not like a rein either side on a side pull bridle or or a bit. So. So there's a little bit more of it's, it's it's harder for them to read that, I suppose, because it's coming the pressure's coming from underneath, and when the rain's right against their neck it's easy for them to back out a little bit too so just to pull that out and help a slide just helped her with that idea, and then soon enough she could do it without the need of the outside rain and also with the horses that have done a lot of flexion in the past, the real ones that have been bent around a lot but not asked to balance those horses um I've tended to help them in the early stages with an outside rein. So I'll get a good backup on them and I'll get good things like that. But I'm cutting a corner just to help them get the idea of shifting their wither early because those horses have had a lot of lateral flexion. With just more pressure in one rein, they just bend and they won't, they just bend, 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 bend. So if I can quickly just get them to say, hey, bend, slide with that outside rein, they go, oh, that worked, Um, until I can get them But my ideal situation is I'm just picking up the inside rein to get them to yield the wither to the outside because the outside rein is going to be for bigger things where we get that outside foot to really reach back and out. So we shouldn't have to be able to pull them out with that outside rein. It should be just all through the inside rein. But as I just explained, there's sometimes a time that just helping the horse a little bit find the answer, uh, but people start to just always use that outside rein to draw them out, and then they're wasting the outside rein for um, for the bigger movements later on that they'll need it for. So it's a yes and no thing, depending on your horse. And But no, in the sense of you're aiming not to use that outside rein. If you did have to cut a little corner, it was for a very specific reason. Um, but on a, on a horse that's never been over flexed, and it's a pretty good traveling horse on an inside rein, it knows how to think in the inside rein once you've been working yourself and it hasn't, then usually they'll just follow the inside rein out without needing the outside
0: rein. Yep. Okay, wonderful. I hope that helps, Megan, answer your question. Thank you for all those questions that have come through from the members. And Mark, we will see you again soon.
1: Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jane.
0: Just imagine how much you could learn from Mark and his unique perception. He's been developing training that turns many of the standard horsemanship approaches on their heads for decades and to great benefit for all, Online training videos, available now, marklangley.com.au.